Please take a seat. Has anyone had to uh, wear one of these? Yeah, a couple. Um, this is a moon boot. Unfortunately, with a moon boot, you don't also get to walk on the moon. That would be awesome. But this is when you hurt severely your leg or your ankle or your toe. I think, Josie, you did your toe recently. And these are amazing. This means you can walk around. So about 10 years ago, I had to have an ankle reconstruction. And once I learned to walk, they put me in one of these. And all of a sudden, I found I could walk without the pain. It was amazing. But if you wear one of these for a number of days, something else happens. Other parts of your body begin to ache, right? Because you're compensating for it. So all of a sudden, you're like, why is my right hip sore with my left ankles here, or my, my, car, my calf muscles are tight, and, and you realize that you're thrown out of balance, that your bodies need to work in balance, and when there's a part of your body that's broken or damaged or hurting, the rest of your body responds to that. Now, show of hands if that is brand new news to you, if you've never heard that before. So it's, it's, it's this, that knowledge has been around for thousands of years, it's ancient knowledge. It's actually knowledge that the Apostle Paul had in mind when he wrote to the church to try and help them understand more about who God was calling them to be, where he used a metaphor of the body. Because he figured everybody has a body, so they know what a body is. So he uses this understanding of a body to talk about our church as a body, which he calls the body of Christ. We are the body of of Christ. Now, three weeks ago, we looked at the fact that we are the gathering of Christ. And then two weeks ago, we looked at we are the family of Christ. And then bonus points, can anyone tell me what I preached about last week? We are the... Oh, well done, everyone. Bride. I had to look it up. No, I didn't. Uh, and if you're thinking, um, and what we're doing is looking at what it means to become a member in our church. Now, many of you are already members, but if you're not, I would encourage you to jump on our QR code or our website and find the messages from the last few weeks. Because it's really important that you listen to them. If this is a place that you're like, I think this is my home, my spiritual home, we would love for it to be. But you need to have a listen to the, those first three. But today, you don't need to listen to the recording. You're here. And I'm going to talk about the church being the body of Christ. So Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament after the Gospels, he gave his life to promoting the health of the church. It was his heart that the churches that he looked after and every other church would be healthy as a result. So what better metaphor to use to talk about health than bodies? We understand health in relation to our bodies. We get that because we have bodies. Now, in the time of this writing, there was an interesting idea going around that for something to be real, it had to have a body. So for a person to be real and in existence, they had to have a physical body. Now sure, there were spirits and there were souls and there was that understanding, but for something to have a predictable and trustworthy presence, it needed a body. It's why Jesus, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, talks about the Holy Spirit as a person who will come and be amongst you. I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to win if I try and compete with the Harley. 
Go on. Yeah, good. So Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as a person because Jesus wants to validate in their cultural understanding of what a real thing is. So Paul is trying to get the world and the church to understand that what they do when they come together, what the church does when it comes together is real and it's predictable and it's trustworthy and it's something that actually happens and so he calls it a body. He draws on this metaphor, something that you can see and touch and engage with. So we are a body. It's not a nice idea. We are a real thing, aren't we? You feel like a real thing this morning? Yep. If you're not, just look around. We're all real. It's okay. We're all real. So the Bible reading today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you've been here for a while, you've been asking, there's been no Bible reading this morning, Ralph. And that's because I want to preach through it, but there's big slabs. And as you would know, when I preach, I like to preach the scripture and read the scripture. And so I wanted to save some time and make it more efficient for us. And I think this is a, a today, for what our all intents and purposes, a good way of doing it. So I'm going to read the scripture to you and make a few comments throughout. But what you need to know is that when Paul wrote this, he was writing about the body, but he wanted people to think about the church. Okay? So your job this morning is when you hear body, think church. So he's not trying to become like a, a biology teacher. It's not his deal at all. He's a church leader, so think church. Christ is like a single body, which has many parts. It is still one body, even though it is made up of many different parts. In the same way, all of us, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slaves or free, we have been baptized into one body by the same Spirit, and we have all been given the one Spirit to drink. This, this gathering around Jesus is meant to be a body. Every part dependent on every other part, like our bodies are. Every gift is needed. Every person is valuable and has a place and something to do in this church. Now I've long felt that God will amass giftedness in a local church because he wants that to be the shape of that local church in Berlin. So God has gifted each and every one of you, which I hopefully will convince you of by the end of today, and he wants to use those gifts to do remarkable things in his body here and in Burley. My job is to equip the saints, that's you, to do the work of the ministry from Ephesians. So an example of how this worked. When we were at New Life, there was a guy there by the name of Josh. And Josh was the most passionate person I've ever seen about coffee. Have we got any other coffee lovers? Yes, I've recently been trying out a new coffee shop and been loving it. Street espresso, is that? Street Corner Espresso, just down the road. If you're looking, I shouldn't do a sales gig, but it was so good. And we talked about coffee shops before, right? So that's where that fits in. I digress. So there's this guy, Josh, and Josh loves coffee, and he's so fanatical about it. And he says to me one day, why don't we do anything with coffee in the church? I'm like, I don't know, we've never had someone as passionate as you about coffee. Do you want to do something? He goes, I do. What do you want to do? Well, let's serve coffee to everyone. I'm like, great, how are you going to do that? He goes, I don't know, I haven't got a coffee machine here. And at the same time that this conversation is going on, we got a phone call from someone we've never met to say we would like to donate a coffee machine that looks very, very similar to this 
to the church. Can you use it? Well, actually, I can. Josh, we can make all your dreams come true. And it did. He was, I've never seen someone so excited about making coffee for people. And he threw himself into it and he built a team and he uh, started serving coffee at our evening services. So we had an evening service, young adults, and he would serve coffee. And then he would serve coffee afterwards. And you knew it was a good thing when the morning congregation went, what's going on? Wouldn't mind some coffee of our own. Well, get your hands off. You can only have him if he can still do nights. Josh, do you want to? <laughs> do I want to? Yes, I want to serve coffee. Absolutely. So Josh starts serving in the morning congregations. There's two services there. And then he starts doing events. And before you know it, if there is something on at the church, Josh is there making coffees. God brings people to us and says, here you go. Use them. God brings all of you and me to us and says, there you go. That's the giftedness you need. That's all you need to do my will in this place. Just get everybody to take hold of what they've been gifted to do and step into that and walk forward. It's what Paul was saying when he says, for the body itself, it's not just made up of one part, but of many parts. You see, the body has many different parts that each do a different, unique, necessary, and important thing. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not keep it from being part of the body. Basically, it's saying, yeah, good luck, foot, you're still part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not keep it from being part of the body. If the whole body were just an eye, how could it hear? And if it were only an ear, how could it smell? As it is, however, God put every different part in the body just as he wanted it to be. Now, remember, we're talking about church, not physical body, right? That's really cool. The body has many different parts that each do different and unique and necessary and important things. Now, here's where it gets a bit bumpy. If you've got a seatbelt, buckle up. You ready for this? The preacher, preaching the best sermon you've ever heard, which obviously isn't this one. They are as important as the person welcoming on the door on Sunday mornings. As important as the person serving morning tea after service. As important as those who say, I'm just going to pray for my church, or I'm going to pray in our prayer corner after the service. As important as those who say, I can't do much, but I can take this food that I've made, and I can take it to someone who's struggling. Are as important as crafting the words that sit on our website. Are as important as someone sharing their faith with someone in the community. As important as a radical, powerful healing ministry, as important as a volunteer at playgroup or friendship club or village kids or village youth. Are you getting the picture? Because I could keep going if you want me to. What I do as a minister, for example, is biblically no more important than what every other believer does if they're using their gifts and stepping out into the call. This is what Paul is talking about. He's trying to establish the church in this idea that everyone has a different role. Everyone has a different part to play. We're meant to play our part and cheer on people that play a different part to us. But all, 
all are absolutely essential for a body to be healthy. Each of you are vital to the life and health and presence of our church in this place. You are absolutely vital. And Paul goes on, he says, and those parts that we think aren't worth very much, they're the ones which we treat with greater, greater care, while the parts of the body which don't look very nice are treated with special modesty, which the more beautiful parts do not need. God himself has put the body together in such a way as to give greater honor to the, honor to the parts that need it. Now, we have 2,000 years of biblical scholars trying to make this passage look as polite and nice and palatable in church as possible. Because when it would have been read, there would have been an audible, oh, you can't say that in church, Paul. We go, what did, he, what did he actually say? Well, he's talking about, let's just fill in some gaps. He's talking about parts of the body that require more modesty. Parts of the body that we don't talk about in church. Parts of the body that we teach our children to not flaunt but keep private. Starting to get what Paul is talking about. Parts of our body, well not our body, but parts of the human body that you see on show on the Gold Coast beaches and nightclubs. Paul is saying that it's so easy to value an eye or nose or your sense of speech or your, your hearing because they are the things that have social currency. It was a death sentence for someone back in the day to, have, to be blind. We, we know that with the other stories of Jesus. But he's saying there are, there are far more important things that we don't value as highly, that we need to value as highly. Because the truth is that reproductive organs are essential to the prospering and the furthering of the family line. We go, of course, the family line was everything. They are far more valuable in God's economy than the ability someone has to see. The hidden parts that require greater modesty are actually more important than the visible parts. Paul is saying we need to apply the same understanding to the church. Just because a ministry or a service or the use of gifts is not as spectacular as others, doesn't have as high a status, isn't understood to be as spiritual and wonderful and grand, isn't thought to be absolutely necessary. Paul's saying it absolutely is. Every expression of your life and your heart and your giftedness that you contribute is valuable. Our culture tries to tell us otherwise, but Paul is reminding us, no, no, no. Each of you are valuable. You've each been given a gift and a responsibility to use that gift. You're all special, you are all necessary, regardless of the worth that others put on you or your gift or the value that you put on you or your gift. So then Paul goes on to say, a body cannot be divided amongst itself and be healthy at the same time. You see, Paul wasn't aware of things like autoimmune disease or lupus, where the body catches a disease that causes the body to think that other parts of the body are foreign and therefore attacks it. If Paul had known about that, it absolutely would have been featured right here. He says, so there is no division in the body, but all its different parts have the same concern for one another. You see, I think the greatest trick 
the devil has played on the church is getting us to think that each other are the enemy. <laughs> when the enemy is the devil out there prowling around like a roaring lion looking for something and someone to devour and destroy. How much time has the worldwide church expended over the years in internal fights when the battle rages for people's souls in this world? You see, if one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. If one part is praised, all the other parts share its happiness. You see, joy and suffering, they're shared across the body. And you know that, like with my ankle illustration, you go, yeah, that's, it is shared. What happens in churches too. It's why over the last month, like the last four weeks, we've been sharing testimonies. We haven't done it today because we're going to share communion. We've been sharing testimonies. He's got a story of faith and what God's been doing so that what's happening over here in the body can be heard over here and what's happening over here in the body can be heard over here and we can be stronger because of it and more healthy and excited and vibrant because of it. That's why we share prayer needs. We share prayer needs. We do it all the time. Lance prayed for us this morning. We share them here from over here. We share them over there from over here so we as a body can be aware and join in the suffering and alleviate that suffering and uphold each other in prayer and encourage each other so that you can prayerfully carry people through the week because you know, so that you can intercede for them. Joy and suffering are shared across the body. Now, Leonardo da Vinci, and I'd show you a picture, but he, that's not Leonardo, um, uh, once drew this man. Now, this is, does anyone know the name of this bloke? No? Really? Oh, you're going to kick yourself. Brian. No, I'm tricking. This is the Vitruvian man. Did I get that right? Yeah, Vitruvian man. You've seen this before, right? Please say most of you have seen this before. Apologies for the male nudity, but it's ancient art. So that's my, my defense. When Leonardo da Vinci, who was one of the greatest artists and sculptures of all time, when he created this, it was said to be the perfect body, the balance, the perfect balance of a body. Totally... Um, it was actually said that it, it was the epitome of anatomical perfection. So I thought this morning I would draw a picture of the body of Christ and really take it to Leonardo da Vinci, right? So I am going to draw a diagram that is not yet, not yet, Robert. Going to build up a bit of suspense first. That is so brilliant and so compelling that you will say that, Ralph, is the ultimate picture of balance and harmony in the church and the epitome, epitome of ecclesiological anatomical perfection. I expect that straight after I finish preaching today. So prepare to be very disappointed. Here is a picture of the church. Now the church, any church, Every church revolves around Jesus' vision, values, and mission. If a group of people come together, it doesn't matter what their beliefs, if they are not about Jesus' vision, values, and mission, they cannot be the church. Because we are the body of Christ, the very being 
of Christ. So we have this, this picture of church, and it looks a bit fluid, doesn't it? Because like me, I'm sure you go, where does, where does the church start and stop? Because we've talked about it's not the building, like it's the people. And where does it start and stop? Who's in and who isn't? And does it matter? And how do we think about that? It's one of the problems with a metaphor like this. We look at bodies and we go, it's very clear what's inside my body and what's outside my body. And I, most of the time, prefer, prefer to keep stuff in that should be kept in rather than out. It's very clear. But you get to choose. That's why it's fluid. You get to choose whether you want to be in the church or not. It's up to you. If you want to be in, you'll serve and you'll use your gifts and you'll love people and you'll carry the gospel and you'll take on Jesus' mission and vision and values with those others that God has called to do that. And then you're kind of in. We spent 10 weeks before this series talking about Jesus' vision. You're all over what Jesus' vision is to follow Christ. But if you don't want to be in, that's your choice. And it's not something that, that really, um, it, it's something that you need to decide with God and to decide all that. But we as a church, we don't need to worry about who's in or who's not. We need to worry about Jesus' vision, values, and mission, and calling the entire world to that. So the next part of my diagram, because it's not finished yet, is the congregation. We are the congregation, folks. This is a congregation. Four months ago, we were a nine o'clock congregation and a four o'clock congregation, and now we are one 10 o'clock congregation. It's much clearer, isn't it, if you're here and part of the congregation. Now, we have a thing called membership, membership in the church, and that's what you're becoming a member to, the congregation. So let me give you the Uniting Church definition of what a congregation is so we're all on the same page. A uniting church congregation is where people are embraced and united with each other as they gather together with Jesus. It is the place where their spiritual, social, and educational growth is nurtured. It is a community in which people seek to follow Jesus, learn about God, share their faith in and outside of the church, care for each other, offer these gifts and graces to the church, serve the local community, and seek to live faithfully with real joy. If you're a member, this is what you've signed up to. This shouldn't be new news to any of you that are members. You should be, well, that just articulates what I've known, what I've felt about how I um, am part of the church. It's the expectations of every member. And you can go to any other denomination and church you like, and it will be, might, might be said differently, but it will be basically the same as this. Living out these things is how you embrace your membership. Membership is where you say, yep, I'm in. Count me in. I want to own Jesus' vision and values and mission with the people that are gathered to do this. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complex. We in Burley Village Uniting Church, we have another layer where you can get even closer to the heartbeat of Jesus' vision and values and mission. And this is an organization chart. This is not a hierarchy of those who are best are in the middle. No, no, no. It's a simple organizational chart of how we further the mission, the vision, and the values of Jesus. And so our final part of the most incredible illustration you've ever seen is our MAST, our mission and strategy team. 
You've heard me talk about mast before. Mast is where an active member, so someone who is a member of our congregation, can come together and be part of this another layer of what it means to invest in Jesus' vision and mission and values for this church and for this community. It's kind of like another level where you can go, I'm so excited about what's going. I want to commit more. I want to give more. I want to contribute more. You see, by being on mast, you have a greater responsibility, but also a greater ownership to see the vision personified, to see the values upheld and see the mission implemented. So if you're part of mast, and this will really ramp up next year, but if you're part of mast, the more you will feel involved in what the church is doing and thinking and implementing, the more communications you will receive of what's going on the more opportunities you will be invited to embrace and the more opinions you will have the chance to shape. You, and the more, uh, more your opinions will have the chance to shape who we are. But also, and here's where our culture goes, oh, not our church culture, our world culture, more will be expected of you. If you're on mast, more is expected of you than just being a member in the church. But I am not saying, I am not saying that you cannot be a full, total, committed passionate, serving member of our church and not part of MAST. You can be. You absolutely can be. MAST is for those who go, I just want more. I just want more of Jesus' vision. I want more of Jesus' mission. I want to give more to it. I want to throw myself into it. I feel a stirring of the spirit that I cannot escape. I want more. So, that's my diagram. Do you like it? I'm not sure it's going to get the same notoriety as the Vitruvian man, but I'm also not sure that Leonardo knew what was going to happen with his picture when he painted it, so we'll see what happens with that. But this is who we are. This is a picture, terrible picture, of the body of Christ that we come together to form. And here it is. It blows me away that God wants us to belong to his body. Like, isn't that astounding, incredible, unbelievable that God, the holy God of the universe would say, yep, I want them. I will do anything to have them be part of my body. I will die on a cross. I will take away their sin. I will forgive them and I will reconcile them to God the Father. I love them so much. It just blows me away that we're worthy. All of us, none of us should be, but we all are. And so he wants each of us to grow in that, to grow in Jesus' vision and values and mission. God has shared his very body with us must be the highest honor in all of creation. Think about that. Think about who you would share your body with. God has shared his body with us. The most intimate thing God could do. He has thoroughly trusted his reputation to us. That's amazing, isn't it? God has thoroughly trusted his reputation to us. We are the body of Christ, folks. You and me. It's your first day. Welcome to the body of Christ. The physical expression of the desires of God so that all will see and come to know Jesus. 
the gravity of it is compelling and it's challenging and most of all it's humbling that God would dare. And so we need the help of God's Spirit. We've sung of God's Spirit before. We're going to dine with Christ in a moment. But as we do that, let's pray. Lord, we are your body and we know at times we are not worthy of being your body. We have thoughts and we say things and we act in ways that are in direct competition to the desires you have for your body. And so we ask you would forgive us. Lord, we want to be the most incredible representation of you. That people would see the church and they would see you. They would see you active and alive and at work and they would recognize your power and your grace. And so God, align us, align our body. And you do that by aligning each of our hearts, not to each other, but to you. Align each of us to you that we might be aligned with one another. Give us your healing in you that we might may be healed and reconciled to one another. Help us to share our joys and our struggles with each other, to encourage and cheer each other on and to sit and pray with one another. Lord, we thank you for the honour and the privilege that you would call us your body. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Let's now sing God is our strength and refuge.